man, God is so good. I'm so thankful uh, for this family at Harvest that I belong to. In the, in the greeting time, I just went around and I hugged so many people. And uh, when I got to Harvest, I was not a hugger. Like, you guys broke me down. I'm still a side hugger primarily, but it's baby steps. Uh, but, but I just, I love, I love that I get to be a part of this place. A lot of us were on the camp out last weekend. I think almost 70 of us were there, and it was, uh, it was just a great time. Uh, it was a great time being together. No, no program. We had a couple shared meals. We had a talent show, uh, which was pretty incredible. There was some poetry and singing and a, a frisbee throwing and a somersault or two. There was some dabbing going on. It was, it was fun. Uh, and next year, I hope, I hope we have more people. I think we could fit another 15 or 20 there. And, and there was a section where, like, the, the, the people, uh, the younger families with little kids that scream out in the night, like, we had our section. And then there's the other section that people seem to gravitate, gravitate towards. I don't know why. Um, but it was, it, was, it was really, really fun. Um, so we are, uh, we're skipping ahead in Exodus today. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to uh, Exodus 35. Um, we're skipping ahead today, and, and uh, what's, uh, what's going on here, M- Moses has been told by God, you're going to make a, a tabernacle um, for me. And, and the tabernacle, if you don't know or if you've just forgotten what a tabernacle is, basically it's a, it's this, it's a tent. It's a portable temple uh, for the Lord. And, uh, and, and there's a lot to it, but there's, there's the outer courts, the, the holy place, and the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, um, you, you might... You might know this, that, that once a year, the high priest, one man, he, he came in and, and he, would, he would sprinkle the, the blood on the mercy seat to atone for all, all the people's sins. So, so what, what they're about to build was a, a, a big, big deal. Right? This is a, a big, big thing. Um, so we, we jump in in Exodus chapter 35, verse 30. It says, uh, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name uh, Bezalel. Man, I practiced that all week. Bezalel, we'll go with that. Uh, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So right off the bat, uh, the Lord, Moses says, The Lord has called, right? This wasn't someone that Moses just recognized. Like, hey, that guy's pretty good at, at this. He's going to help us build the temple. But the Lord, by name, called this, this man Bezalel. Um, he called him for a particular purpose that, that God had for him. And, and I wonder, when, when we think about calling, is that something that we reserve just, just for like a, a missionary that's going to Africa, or, or for a pastor, or an elder? Or do we realize that, that God has actually called every member of his body to something, that, that God has called us all for special purposes to do his work? Do we realize that, that, that all work, paid or unpaid, it's, it's for the Lord, God calls us to, to do that work, and we see work comes into play right in the beginning of creation. God created Adam and Eve to work, and, and, and it, was, it was good. So, so do you realize that as a nurse in a hospital or in a clinic, like, there's a call. There's a call from God there to, to, to be light, to glorify him, or, or teachers. Uh, some of you started school last week. Some are starting this week. Um, you're working in the midst of of students from broken families uh, working in, a, in, in, a, in a, a really confusing culture that doesn't know what is good. Um, there's, there's a call there. Some of you work in, in cubicles. I've never worked in a cubicle. I think it might be really hard for me to have all that noise everywhere. But there's a call there to be light, right? And what an opportunity because everybody, I'm pretty sure, can hear all your business, 
right? Every frustrating phone call, every time your superior walks by and treats you unfairly, what an opportunity to testify. I see some people smiling big right now. I'll try not to make eye contact with you. Um, there's a call there to, to, be, to be light in, in your work. Stay-at-home parents, this is a call. It's a call to disciple these little ones that God has trusted you with, even though at times you're just waiting for the day that poopy diapers are gone, right? Waiting to have conversations with someone older than six years old. But there's a call. It's, it's not just for some select. God calls us. He gifts us. And when we realize that, that, that God is calling us into something, that he gifts us to do something, it really should change everything for us. Our, our work isn't just to get a paycheck. It's not a means to an end. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. So, so our work, whether it's paid or not, it ought to be for Jesus. We're, we're working for Jesus. He, he is our boss. Verse 31, it goes on. It says, And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and carving wood for, uh, for work in every skilled craft. So it says he filled with the Spirit of God. So, so in this word filled, there, there's um, obviously the, the idea of filling up fullness, but, but there's also uh, uh, being ordained to do this work, being, being consecrated, set aside for special purposes that, that God has. And, and it says that, that this man, was he, he had skill, he was given intelligence, knowledge with, with all craftsmanship. And I love in 32 where it says to devise artistic designs. I don't feel like I'm a very creative person. I mean, you can probably argue that everyone's creative in their own, creative in their own ways. I don't feel creative a lot of times. But I love it when I'm around someone that just oozes creativity. I hope you, you get to rub shoulders with people like that. And, and you, you can, you can, they can get an idea, and, and it just explodes. And, and they just think so differently than I do. And, and, and we have a picture of that here. Like These are true artisans that are going to come and help build the, the tabernacle in, in all these different ways. Um, so th- this man, um, uh, he, he, was, he was set aside to do this work for the Lord. And, and, and it's not like... He was not artistic, and then all of a sudden God zapped him, and he suddenly he could, could carve things and, and, and embroider things. It, it didn't work like that. It was something that God built in him, I'm sure, throughout his whole life. I, I guarantee that at one point his parents during his childhood looked at him you know, as he's carving something like, man, he's actually not bad at that. He's a lot better than our other kids. What they make is kind of junk, but this kid has potential. Right? And, 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 and even though he had a knack, he had to grow in it, right? Like, it, it, it wasn't great at first. My, my, uh, my youngest son, Hudson, he's five years old, and uh, he, all the time, he's bringing me pictures, right? And I smile, and I'm totally grateful, but I have no idea what I'm looking at. So I'll have him, like, interpret it for me. I'm like, oh, Hudson, can you help me figure out what is that? He's like, oh, that's you, Daddy. Awesome. I'm glad that that's what I look like. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm sure he, he grew in this. Like o- over the years, he, he learned uh, his abilities increased, his skills increased. He learned how to do things better. He got more creative. Um, but, but it took. 
It took a long time, a lot of trial and error. I'm sure there are things that he made that after he finished them, he's like, man, that's no good. Maybe he threw them away or burned them. But over the years, through, through all that, God was preparing him. Um, he had no idea what God had in store from him. There might have even been times where, where he hated being so artistic, where, where he just wished he'd look at someone else and their, their job and what they were good at and thought, man, sometimes I just wish I could be a sheep herder. Sometimes I wish I could be a baker or, 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 or whatever. I'm sure there are times where, where he didn't really love his skill set, where he wished he could be something else. And I think we all have times like that where we look around the room, we look maybe in the office or, or, or at a sibling or a neighbor. Man, I just wish I, I wish I did what they did. I wish I was good at, at those things. Like it's so easy for us to, to not be content with the things that we're actually good at. But when we do that, we forget that God knew exactly what he was doing when he made us, right? He, he knew what he was doing, the aptitudes that he would give each of us, the, the interests, the, the passions. Like it's not an accident. Like God knew exactly how he was making. He was fully aware the areas that you, you just totally struggle and the areas that you would completely excel in. And he knew what, what you were really working towards. And I'm sure um, that, that for uh, Bazalel, he, he owned that at some point that he was an artist, right? That, that he was made to, to create. Um, and, and I think our, our passions are often a good indicator of, of, of where God is, has made you to, to work, to serve, to contribute um, to the body. Um, but, but I bet as, as he was going along, even though he knew that art was his thing, I bet he didn't realize what God was preparing him for. Like, there's no way he knew that someday he was going to contribute to be one, one of the lead artists in, in, in making God's tabernacle. Maybe he knew, like, I need to do this for God's glory. But there's no way that he, he knew that all these things that God had been doing were, were preparing him for this. And God uses, he uses what we're going through to get us ready for what he knows is coming. Right? And, and if you've lived even a little bit, it, it's probably easy to look back and see how God used all, all these different experiences, all these different things to really prepare you for what, what he has you in now and, and even more what, what's coming ahead. Um, I think of the story of David, who was the most famous king of Israel. But when we meet David in the scriptures, he's just a shepherd, right? And I don't, I don't know anything about herding sheep, obviously, <laughs> um, but I imagine it's a pretty good job if you're not into people, you know. Like, if you don't want to talk to anybody, it's probably right up your alley. Um, my guess is David actually did like people. I know he's a man of war, but, um, but my guess is there are times when, when David, David didn't like those smells. David wished that he could, he could speak to a, another person. That he wished he, he wasn't hurting sheep, but man, God was getting him ready. He was teaching him all kinds of lessons as he was hurting sheep. When, when the lion would attack, God was, he was testing him. He was preparing him. Was David really going to put himself on the line for the, these sheep that were entrusted to him? Was he, was he really going to do whatever it took um, to make sure that all these sheep made it through the night? And he didn't have any idea that God was actually preparing him to be the shepherd over a much more valuable flock, his people. God uses the mundane things to shape us, to prepare us. God even uses 
the job that you hate, right? Has anybody had a job that they just hated? Only me. Three of us, five of us. There we go. I remember uh, a job in college I was working. I worked in a restaurant, and um, sometimes it was fine. But I remember one night just being so sick of my job and wishing I got to do what I wanted to do, right? I was going to Bible college to be in ministry, and yet I had to work this job. And I was, I was pre- preparing food. I was chopping some vegetable. And I remember wondering, and obviously I wouldn't have done this, but I remember wondering how, like, how small of a cut would it take for them to send me home, right? Like I didn't want to chop off my finger or even the tip, but I was like, how, like what, what would have to happen for them to go, Greg, get out of here? Like I was just so fed up with, with, with work that night. But God is using everything we go through. Uh, to, to prepare us, to shape us. The, the, the painful and difficult ones, in fact, a lot of times those are some of the best preparers, some of the best lessons to get us ready for what he has in store. Um, I'm coaching uh, my oldest son, uh, Caden, his soccer team. And this is, I think this is like my sixth or seventh year with a lot of these boys. Um, and, and, and every summer, I, I probably don't start practice early enough because it means summer is done, and I'm, I'm sad about summer being done. So I should probably start like two weeks earlier than, than we always do. Um, but we get to practice, and, and I've been doing this long enough that I know they need to run hard. Especially the older they get, they're, they're way more into video games now, and, and I know they're not running all summer. Um, so we get to practice, and... and I tell them, we're going to run. Like, you chose to play soccer, right? You didn't play ping pong. You chose soccer. We're going to run. We're going to run hard. We're going to run a lot. And, and part of it is because there were those seasons where I was a softy, and, and then we'd get out to the first, second game, and, and we'd get demolished. And it wasn't because the other team was better than us. Well, sometimes it was, but usually it wasn't. It was because they clearly actually ran at practice, and I was just letting these kids get by and playing these games. So, so this year, we come to practice one, and I'm like more determined than ever. It's part, of, part of it's probably because a few weeks ago when I preached, I used the, 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 the um, movie Miracle when the coach skates. Maybe that's what was in my head. But anyway, I'm like, we're going to run hard, and I give them this speech, and there some of them are with me, and some are like, no, please, coach, have mercy. Um, I could see it in their eyes. Um, so we ran hard, long distances, short distances, sprints. I try to make it fun, but it is running, so it can't be that fun. Um, and, and we're probably halfway through our practice, and, and, and we've done some soccer things too. But running, I send them on a long distance run, and there's like three guys in the back. They're just struggling, and I, I have a heart for that. I mean, I was always so slow on my soccer team. So I run over there to them. And one kid is, like, by the time I get there, he's on the ground. And I'm going, oh, hey, what's wrong, buddy? You okay? And he's like, I don't know. I don't feel so good. And I'm like, man, uh, okay. I give him the benefit of the doubt. And, and he's having shin splints. I think that was totally real. Um, uh, but, but I was like, uh, well, why don't you just walk back to where, uh, to where we're all going to meet up? And then I ran the rest of the way with, uh, with the other two boys that were in the back. And I look over at one point, that kid that was supposed to walk back, he's on all fours on the ground throwing up. And I'm like, oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> oh, boy. So I get home, I tell Lindsay, and she's like, oh, it probably wasn't that bad. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, so I, 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 uh, I decide I've got to email the mom. And uh, I email her, like, super late that night. And she emails me back the next morning. She's like, hey, don't worry about it. I 
think something like this happened last year. I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> but, but she said, the cool thing is he got up this morning and decided to go running. Um, and I'm like, oh, that, that's awesome. And, and then I got to practice this last week and, and, and asked him, like, hey, so I heard you went running that mor- next morning. He's like, oh, no, I've been running every morning. I run a mile every morning now. And it, and it shows in practice. And I just know that those kids that hate running at practice that probably get mad at me, they're going to hate it way more in the game when the kid across from them, that they're better than, they have more skills, that kid can outrun them. They're going to hate that way more. So I'm trying to prepare them, and God knows, right? God knows so much better what's ahead of us. God is, he, he knows what, what he needs to do to prepare us for what he's inviting us to participate in. Verse 34, uh, it says, And he inspired him to teach both him uh, and uh, Aholiab, the son of, uh, man, these are so hard today, Ahishmach uh, of the tribe of Dan, right? So he inspired these two guys, these artisans. They were going to pour out into others. I'm sure these, these people that they were going to teach had similar skill sets, right? Like these were young artists too, um, but, but they, uh, they were inspired by God to teach these guys, to pass on what, what they had been given. And I'm sure part of it was totally practical, right? God knew that these two guys could not do the to-do list that God had made for them, right? They needed, they needed other people um, to be with them. But this is what God does with his people. Like, God loves to multiply, right? Like, we, we, we see this in, in, in what Jesus did with his disciples. Like, he started off with 11 guys. He poured into them, and, and what he was making was disciple-makers, Right? He wasn't just making disciples. He was making disciples. Who would make disciples? And, and we look at Jesus. Jesus dies, rises from the dead, ascends, and, and, and here's these 11 guys. And in, within a couple decades, we have a world religion. Right? Like, this is what God does. God, God multiplies. He, 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 gives, uh, he, he, he calls the older to pour into the younger, to, to help teach them, to help grow them up. God gives us skills and experiences, uh, giftings in certain areas, but, but it's, not, it's not for ourselves. It's, it's, it's to glorify God and, and, and to be a blessing. Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, I'm blessing you to be a blessing to the nations, right? Like, this is what God does. He blesses us so that we can be a, a blessing that, that will ultimately point to how, how incredible our God is. So we get to serve in, in, in whatever capacity, um, or as we serve in whatever capacity, we're looking on to pass on what we know to help, help people learn the lessons. It's been incredible. Um, people know about us somehow, right? Like I'll be somewhere and, and someone will go, hey, Greg, I heard about your transition. I'm like, I haven't seen you in three years. Like, how did you hear anything about what's going on at Harvest? But I've had people offering to help me. Uh, I, I, uh, I emailed a, a pastor that he's, he's probably about five years away from retiring. Just asked him some questions, asked him if, if we could get coffee. And he was so eager to meet with me. And, and afterwards, we got done, and I thought we were just meeting once. And he said, hey, I just want to help you whatever you need. Like, we can get together and do this as often as you want. I, I just want to, I want to be here to do anything I can for you. Um, and I'm, I'm meeting with another uh, guy, a retired pastor, retired uh, seminary professor, um, and it's, I ask him a question, 
and, and, and what comes out of his mouth is just golden. Like, I, I actually, I broke out my phone, and I'm taking notes. I'm like, I don't want this guy to think I'm texting. So I told him, like, I'm, I'm just writing down what you said. And then eventually, I'm like, can I just record it? That would be better. Because um, he, he's just been so helpful. And I, I met a pastor this summer. Um, it's, uh, he's at a church in Beaverton. And he just asked what I do, and I told him. I told him what was going on here. And he just said, oh, I, let's get together. Let me, let me get you lunch. Like, I just want to talk with you. I just want to share some things with you that, that I've learned, things that the guys told me, other things I wish guys would have told me. And it, it's, it's incredible. Um, th- these guys aren't, a, we're not part of a denomination, right? Like, they have, no, uh, they have no connection to our church. They're not getting paid to help us out, to help me out. They just love the body of Christ. They love Jesus. They, uh, they want to see me hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that, that, they, um, that they fell into. Uh, verse 35 says, He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Baziel and Ohio Lab, and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bazalel and Ohio Lab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord uh, had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come and do the work. So this picture here, I just, I think it's so beautiful. These two guys and a ton of others come to build and create this tabernacle. God told them how to do it, and they got to work in how God had gifted them to create this place. So they're carpenters. They're gold and silversmiths, people that cut stones, people that set stones, people that worked with fabrics. I'm sure there are people that that, that were there that didn't have any of those skills but, but could help just as, as like grunt labor so that, so that these artists could just go for it. And all these people coming together, um, each playing their own part. And, and, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but, but the people that, that didn't do the work, there were people that were just donating the materials, right? The gold, the silver, what, everything, um, so that this could happen. People were, were just incredibly generous. Everyone was playing a part. Ephesians 4.15 and 16 says this, and I think it's on the screen. Oh, just, just 16. I'm going to start in 15, actually. It says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, so there's this image here of, of, a, of a body, right? God's people are like a body. And, and when every part is, 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 is functioning the way it's supposed to, when everyone participates, it's incredible, right? Like what, what your body can do. And I don't have to tell my body to like pick up my phone. I mean, my brain is somehow, I don't even get that. But, but it, you know, it's not hard. Like it, it just, it comes naturally because everything's doing what it's supposed to do. So um, in high school, I was in band. I played the trombone. I actually wasn't very good, but they still let me participate. And one thing that we did every year was, uh, was band camp in the summer, right? Which sounds as glorious as it is. Um, so what, what we were doing was we were getting ready for marching season, right? And 
I, I didn't like the term band nerd, but looking back, I totally was all in. I loved it. Like, I loved being on the field, and, like, we would make these shapes, and it was cool. But, um, so, I don't, like, follow marching bands, but <laughs> the best marching band, we're going to show you a video here. The best marching band uh, that I've seen is Ohio State, right? And I know everybody hates Ohio State because of football, but... Um, but uh, let, let's pull up this YouTube here. So they do all these different halftime shows, and it's absolutely incredible. You could waste a lot of time on YouTube checking them out. So uh, don't play this yet, but this is, uh, this is their Back to the Future theme halftime show, right, if you've seen that movie. So like just a little bit before this, like they had the DeLorean, right? These people, these marchers, like made the DeLoreans moving across. They had like fireworks going off in the background. There's this, uh, there's this part where, where Marty McFly is playing the guitar, right, the Johnny B. Good scene. Awesome. So let's check this out, though. Right? So if you don't, if you didn't watch the movie, so that's a truck. Marty McFly's on his skateboard. He's about to grab the tailgate and take off. Right? Like, wow. So stinking cool. Um, it, you, and you, you can stop there. I. I watched way too much of that this week. Uh, but it's so cool. And, like, later they're going to do, like, the whole clock tower thing. And the DeLorean takes off. And they did, like, the flex capacitor and everything. I, uh, that was clearly my era. I loved that. Um, uh, so when I watch that, I just smile. You know, because everyone, everyone's doing their part. You know, they, they work together, and they're, they're able to accomplish as, as a band. I mean, to me, it's just phenomenal what, what they're able to do. So creative, so incredible. But what if, what if, like, one or two of the trombones just decide, you know, I'm not feeling it today. I'm out of here. Or, or if the tuba player is like, man, this thing is so heavy. Those stinking flute players, they don't know how hard it is, right? Or the trumpet section. What if, like, the whole trumpet section in the middle of the halftime show just went rogue, It'd actually be pretty funny if they started making their own shapes. But, um, but it would mess things up, right? Like, it would mess up the, the design, right? It, like, it still might look cool, but, but the, the gaps, um, the gaps would, would really mess up, like, like, what was intended there. And when we're all working together, like, when the body of Christ is working together, it's so enjoyable. And, and my guess is a ton of people here know what that's like, to, to be doing ministry with other believers, you know, whether it's in the church, outside the church, in the office place, your neighborhood, wherever, like, like you're, you're part of, of this team, and, and, and you're working together in, in, in ways that, that you're gifted, in ways that you're skilled, things you're passionate about, and it is, it is so good, and, and if you have no idea, if you've never really participated in what God's doing, man, you, you're missing out, like, if you just come uh, here on a Sunday, we're so glad you're here. Please don't hear that I don't want you here. But, but I'm telling you, there, there's more. Um, God didn't create us just to be consumers of his church, but to be participants of the church. And, and obviously, it, it's different than being the Ohio State marching man. I mean, not just the marching and all that. But they're all in the field together, right? Um, we're, through the week, we're, we're spread out, right? We've got some people doing track. Um, we, we've got some people... Uh, in their families, love and foster kids, or, or maybe someone's leading a Bible study in their neighborhood. And we, we can go on and on, moms groups, and diff- different ways that God is, is using us to, to serve, right? To, to try and proclaim the gospel. Um, but man, it, it's so good to, to come. It's so good to come back together. And, and, and if you are 
trying to do ministry, right? Just trying to serve the Lord, trying to proclaim the gospel. If you don't have someone you're doing that with, pray for someone. Pray that God would bring someone to you that you can join in with. Because we, we just weren't created to, to, to be in isolation. We weren't created to, to serve in isolation. So let's go back uh, to the end of verse 2 there. It says, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come and do the work. So what, what has God stirred in your heart? Like, how, what, what passions has, has God stirred in your heart? And, and maybe, it's, maybe you know exactly what he stirred, but it's, it's, it's been a long time. And maybe you're getting tired. Are you still relying on, on God to sustain you, to, to provide for you in order to do what, what he has created you to do? Or, or maybe, um, maybe you're really convinced that God stirred this specific thing in your heart, and it seemed like opportunities were lining up. But now it's just dead end after dead end. And it's easy to get frustrated, I think, when, when that happens and, and, and not trust that God really knows what he's doing. You might be confused about where God's leading, but, but I'll tell you what, he is not confused. Like, we can trust that, that even though we can't see what's going on, God knows exactly what's happening. And, and our God is a redeemer. Like he, he uses those hard times. He does not waste anything at all. Maybe when I ask the question, how's God stirred your heart, you realize, I don't know if God stirred anything in my heart. Well, have you asked him, like, have you, have you said, here my Lord, like, where would you, what would you have for me to do? Where do you want me to pour out, Lord? Where do you want to use me? If, it, it, if you haven't given God that space to stir your heart, if you haven't asked him where he has for you to pour out, you're, you're totally missing out. There's so much satisfaction in serving Jesus, in, in glorifying God, and sometimes it's really hard, but there's, there's no place that I'd rather be than, than doing what what God has, even when it's hard, right? I think it's uh, Psalm 105 says, there's one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. It is so true. I'd so much rather be doing what God has for me, even when it's hard. Or maybe you're not sure where to start. Maybe you have no clue how God has gifted you. I'm sure there are people in the room that that you actually think, like, no, God hasn't gifted me to do anything. That's not true. Scriptures are really clear. God's gifted each believer to be a part of the body, to build up the body. Um, so I'd encourage you to find someone who's doing ministry, whether it's uh, someone on staff or an elder or, or, or someone that's leading a community group or, or ushers or whatever it is. Find someone that's doing ministry and ask them, like, hey, what do you, what do you see in me? Can you help me find a place? Um, and, and just go for it. Uh, over the years, you know, we've had youth ministry um, workers that come, and, and after a while, we both just kind of realized this isn't, this isn't your fit, right? Maybe after six, nine months, it's just not the right fit. But every time I've been able to help them, because I've been able to see, like, you are good at this. Like, God, clearly, he's doing this in you. So why don't you try this thing? And I'm not trying to pass them off onto someone else, but I'm trying to help them find what, what, what God has for them. Um, on youth staff, we really we make every staff member teach at some point a couple times. If you've just joined youth staff, that's coming. Um, uh, and, and, and sometimes, you know, they'll give it a shot, and we work with them. And, and you do realize, okay, this, this isn't your niche. There's plenty of things you're great at, you know, in, in, in youth ministry, but this isn't it. And then other times, we'll have somebody try that if I was just in my flesh, I'd just go, no, this, this isn't going to work out, right? And I'm blown away by what God does. Uh, I don't know if Alex Smith is here. I never would have pictured the teacher that Alex Smith is, right? So Alex has taught our high school group several times, and I don't think I was in on the first one. And uh, 
Uh, I didn't get to hear him. And, and after youth group, I, I asked Matt, and he's like, you would not believe, like, how God used Alex Smith. Like, he is a teacher. So the next time, like, I got to get in and hear this. And, it, oh, it was so true. Like, the, the gifting of this, this guy to teach is incredible. And I heard after the last time we taught that we have small groups after youth group, or after the lesson, and uh, there's a girls group, and one of the girls just goes, Alex gets me. <laughs> Which is a compliment. It's not weird. Um, uh, but, but it's just, it's awesome to see someone try something that maybe they don't think they're going to be good at. Maybe you don't either. And yet, clearly, God's doing something here. Like, that's, that's where we want to be. Um, verse 3, and we got we to gotta get moving here. Uh, verse 3 through 6. It says, And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work in the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that, uh, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, right? Like, how crazy can you imagine? Yeah, no more. Like, you've been too generous. Like, we can't handle any more. We don't need any more at all. Um, and all this generosity, uh, all, all this, this work, it, it wasn't a doing to earn God's favor. Like, I want to make sure that we're clear on that. Like, we don't do uh, to, to earn God's grace. His grace is a total gift. Like, our, the doing flows from, from a God that, that is loving, a God that is holy, a God that's, that's benevolent. Like, that, it, it's, a, it's an outpouring. It's, it's what makes sense. It's the response that makes sense to an incredible God. Um, and, and we have experienced, uh, like, just this generosity in different ways here. Um, th- there are times where we'll set up meals for a family that maybe someone in the family had a surgery or there's a baby born or adoption. So we, we just try and bless them with some meals so that they can, you know, not really think about that one piece of life. Um, and, and we've gotten calls after a while like, hey, can you tell people to stop bringing me food? My fridge is too full. Like, I literally cannot handle another meal because people have been so generous. At our high school camp, ETV, the last couple of years, we've had to tell people, like, we can't take any more volunteers. You know, and, and we're, we're talking about going and camping, at, at, and you pay for showers. Like, it's hot. It's, it's dusty. There's nothing glorious about Thai Valley, Oregon, except for God. Um, and, and yet, we have to turn people away. So, are, are we generous? Are we generous with our time, with our possessions, with our talents, our gifts, our abilities, our, our, our money? Um, or, or are we stingy? You know, do we, do we view my possessions as my possessions? Or, or do we realize that God's, God's given you possessions? He's blessed you so that you can be a blessing. Well, we don't have a, a building that we call a temple or a tabernacle anymore because Jesus, uh, Jesus wasn't stingy either. He didn't hold back at all. He knew exactly what he's here to do. In the, in the temple, in the tabernacle, like I said, the high priest would come. And he'd, 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 he'd sprinkle the blood to make atonement. Year after year, he, he'd do this for, for Israel's sin. And, and then Jesus came, and, and he died on the cross. And his blood was shed to atone for our sins. 
his blood paid the price. And scripture tells us, like we, we, we know that it worked because the, the veil was torn. The veil is what led to the Holy of Holies and that place wasn't needed anymore because Jesus' sacrifice atoned once and for all. Um, Jesus was the greatest high priest. Um, and then finally, that, that, that atonement was not just symbolic. Jesus had actually done it. Every other high priest is pointing towards the great high priest that would one day truly atone for sin once and for all. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that, uh, that you've created us to play a part in what you're doing. Not, not only have you, have you offered us salvation through the death of, of your son, but, but you've invited us to participate in, in what you're doing and what your mission is to save people. Lord, we, uh, we want to be a people that are ready to jump into whatever it is you have, Lord. And I thank you for, for how, generous, how generous so many people at Harvest are. Uh, Lord, would you make me more generous, God? Would you make me more and more like, like the people there in, in Exodus 36? They had to be told to stop. In your name we pray. Amen.